Good day, Nikki. Hope all is well with you today. San Francisco's looking pretty good this Sunday, with a high of 60 degrees. Just be prepared for a bit of a change towards the evening as those broken clouds roll in. Perfect weather to catch up on the latest news. Let's dive into what's ahead. First up, TechCrunch is putting a spotlight on women in AI with a new interview series. Miranda Bogan from the Center of Democracy and Technology's AI Governance Lab shares her insights on navigating the tech world and the importance of addressing biases in AI development. I'm Steve Onsker. And I'm Jonathan Martin. This is Just Ahead from PocketPod News. Then, former President Donald Trump claims his indictments have actually boosted his support among black Americans. He likens his legal battles to anti-black discrimination amid charges that include trying to overturn the 2020 election results. And in our third story, Baiju Ravandran insists he's still CEO of Baiju's despite a shareholder vote aiming for his removal over governance and financial concerns. It's a contentious moment for one of India's largest startups as it navigates through rocky waters. From uncovering biases in AI to political claims and corporate upheaval, we've got your news roundup ready. Stay tuned for all these stories and more. This message is brought to you by PocketPod. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to a fully personalized listening experience with AI-crafted podcast made just for you. Head over to pocketpod.app to join the waitlist. Artificial intelligence, or AI, is reshaping every aspect of our lives, from how we work to how we interact with the world around us. Absolutely. And at the forefront of navigating this digital transformation is Miranda Bogan, a leading voice in advocating for responsible AI practices. Her work focuses on ensuring AI technologies serve society equitably and ethically. Today, we're joined by PocketPod News Technology Analyst Paige Owens to delve into Miranda Bogan's journey in the AI field. Paige will also discuss Bogan's significant contributions towards shaping a more inclusive and fair digital future. Thanks, Jonathan. Miranda Bogan's journey is indeed an inspiring one, especially when considering her profound impact on the AI world. Her initial attraction to AI stemmed from a deep understanding of its potential societal implications. Bogan realized early in her career that machine learning and artificial intelligence had far-reaching effects on people's rights, values, and communities. This realization wasn't just about the technical prowess of AI, but its ability to reshape societal dynamics fundamentally. That sounds incredibly forward-thinking. Could you elaborate on some of the contributions she's made towards responsible AI practices? Absolutely. One of Bogan's most notable contributions was her research into discrimination within online advertising systems, particularly focusing on Meta's algorithmic fairness. Her work shone a light on how these systems could perpetuate disparities in economic opportunities for marginalized populations— by addressing these biases head-on, Bogan's research led to tangible improvements in how these advertising algorithms function, making them more equitable. Facing such complex challenges in a male-dominated industry must have been daunting. How did she navigate this landscape? It was indeed a challenge, but Bogan credits much of her ability to push forward to the support from her colleagues who shared her vision for a more inclusive tech world. She placed great importance on uplifting marginalized voices and chose positions where she could work with or under women leaders in tech. This reflects a broader shift towards inclusivity within the industry itself. And what advice does she have for women looking to enter the AI field? Bogan strongly believes in finding supportive environments that value diversity of thought and encourage mentorship and allyship. She stresses that being part of such communities can significantly empower women entering the AI field, 
fostering both personal growth and broader societal change. Speaking of change, what does she see as the pressing issues facing AI development today? One major issue is moving from merely identifying problems with AI systems to developing systematic approaches for mitigating these harms. The launch of CDT's AI Governance Lab under her direction is a step towards finding solutions that ensure responsible governance over AI technologies. How should users approach current AI systems, according to Bogan? Users need to exercise caution when relying on AI for consequential tasks since many current systems lack comprehensive protective measures, analogous to seat belts or airbags in cars. And what about building responsible AI? What does that entail? Building responsible AI necessitates humility and an inclusive approach. It's about asking who an AI system serves or fails and incorporating diverse perspectives into its design process from the outset. Lastly, how does Miranda Bogan view the role of investors in promoting responsible innovation? She encourages investors to prioritize deliberate development over rushing technologies to market without proper consideration for ethical practices. The goal is to shift focus towards supporting ecosystems where responsible innovation thrives over mere rapid advancements. Fascinating insights into Miranda Bogan's work and vision for a more ethical digital future. Thank you for sharing this with us today, Paige. My pleasure, Jonathan. It's crucial we continue discussing and advancing these conversations around responsible artificial intelligence for everyone's benefit. At a recent black tie event in South Carolina, former President Donald Trump made some remarks that have reverberated far beyond the room. Yes, he claimed that his criminal indictments have actually increased his support among black Americans. He likened his legal challenges to the kind of discrimination historically faced by black people in the U.S. And those comments have sparked quite a bit of controversy. Accusations of pandering and racism were quick to follow, with critics from both sides of the aisle weighing in. But despite skepticism from some quarters, Trump and his supporters are pushing the narrative that the Republican Party aligns more closely with black voters' values than they might realize. To help us unpack all this, we've got PocketPod News political correspondent Jessica Mallory joining us. Jessica, Trump's comparison of his legal woes to systemic racism, how's that playing out among black voters? Well, Jonathan, it's a complex issue. Former President Donald Trump's remarks, where he likened his legal challenges to the historical discrimination against black Americans, have certainly sparked conversation. However, the feedback isn't uniformly positive. While Trump claims that his indictments have actually increased his support among black Americans, seeing him as a victim akin to their own experiences with the U.S. legal system, this assertion is met with skepticism by some within the black community. The apprehension stems from a broader context of Trump's career and his actions as a real estate developer and politician, which have been marked by accusations of racism. Interesting point on the skepticism there. Could you dive deeper into the reactions to Trump's speech? I understand there was quite a bit of criticism. Absolutely. The reaction to Trump's speech has been sharply divided. Critics, including Democrats like former Louisiana rapper Cedric Richmond and Republicans such as former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, have condemned Trump's remarks as pandering and even racist. Haley's response came the morning after the speech, highlighting how quickly criticism emerged from both sides of the aisle. The divisive nature of Trump's rhetoric is not new, but continues to stir controversy within political circles and beyond. Now, regarding those criminal indictments against Trump, he mentions, can you tell us more about those? Sure thing. Donald Trump faces 91 felony charges across various allegations, including efforts to overturn the 2020 election results, 
mishandling classified documents, and arranging payments to a porn actress, among others. What's notable here is that despite these serious charges, there's no evidence suggesting President Joe Biden or White House officials had any hand in influencing these indictments, countering any narrative of them being purely politically motivated attacks. Moving on to something a bit broader here, how are Republicans attempting to appeal to black voters amid all this? That's an excellent question. The Republican Party argues that investing time and money into outreach efforts could indeed sway more black voters towards their platform, believing that their policies on various issues already resonate within this community. This belief suggests an ongoing strategy within the party aimed at broadening its appeal among demographic groups that have traditionally leaned Democratic. Jessica, before we wrap up, any final thoughts on how all this plays into Trump's larger narrative or its implications for future political dynamics? Certainly, Jonathan. Donald Trump's assertion that his legal troubles have won him further support among Black Americans fits into a larger narrative where he portrays himself as a victim of political persecution akin to historical injustices faced by this community, a claim met with both skepticism and criticism for perceived pandering and insensitivity towards complex racial issues in America. Despite efforts from some within his party to appeal more broadly to black voters based on policy issues alone, skepticism remains due both controversies surrounding Trump specifically and broader perceptions about the party's stance on race-related matters. That was PocketPod News political correspondent Jessica Mallory. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. The world of edtech is facing a significant shakeup right in the heart of Bengaluru, India. That's right. Baiju's, a leading edtech startup, is in the midst of a dramatic internal conflict. Its founder and CEO, Baiju Raviendran, is fighting against an attempt by some shareholders to oust him over governance and financial issues. And despite the turmoil, Ravindran is pushing back hard. He sent out a letter to employees refuting claims of his ousting, launched a rights issue aiming to raise about $200 million, and even questioned the validity of the shareholder meeting that sought his removal. It's a complex situation involving accusations of financial mismanagement, procedural discrepancies at shareholder meetings, and battles over public perception. To help us navigate through this saga and understand its implications for Baiju's future and the broader edtech landscape, we're joined by PocketPod News business and finance correspondent Scott Dwyer. Scott has been closely following these developments. Scott, where do we even begin with this? Well, Jonathan, it's a tangled web at Baiju's, starting with the company's founder and CEO, Baiju Ravindran. Following an emergency general meeting where shareholders voted for his removal, Ravindran sent a letter to employees on Saturday. In it, he refuted claims of his ousting as exaggerated and highlighted concerns over the legitimacy of the shareholder meeting. He argued that the meeting lacked procedural validity, including not meeting the minimum quorum. It sounds like Ravendran is standing his ground. Can you tell us more about the shareholder group's stance? Absolutely. The shareholder group in question includes heavyweights like Process Ventures and Peak 15 Ventures, and they voted unanimously at Friday's emergency general meeting for resolutions addressing governance issues and proposing leadership changes at Baiju's. This move underscores deep concerns among investors regarding financial mismanagement and compliance within the company, signaling a significant rift between Ravindran and some of Baiju's major backers. And what about Ravindran's concerns over the meeting procedures? Does he have a point? 
he might have one, Jonathan. Ravindran claimed that only 35 of Baiju's 170 shareholders attended this extraordinary general meeting, representing about 45% ownership. This raises questions about whether proper legal procedures were followed and if there was indeed enough quorum to make any decisions binding. It's a critical point that could affect how these proceedings are viewed legally and ethically. Amidst all this internal discord, Baiju's launched a rights issue to raise funds. How does that fit into this picture? Now, that's an interesting turn of events amidst the turmoil. Despite having its valuation significantly reduced from $22 billion to about $25 million, Baiju's launched a rights issue aiming to raise approximately $200 million. Ravindran has called this move overwhelmingly successful, suggesting investor confidence might still be high despite recent challenges. It poses an intriguing contradiction. Financial challenges on one hand, but claimed strong investor interest on the other. There seems to be also a dispute over how this saga is being portrayed publicly. Indeed, Jonathan, amidst these boardroom battles, there's also a war of narratives playing out in public view. Ravindran accused minority shareholders of spreading misinformation through media channels, but insisted Baiju's would not engage in a media war to counter these claims. This tactic spotlights another layer in their strategy, controlling public perception without directly confronting the accusations in a highly public forum. With all these moving parts, what could be the broader implications for Baiju's future? Uh, the situation at Baiju's could serve as a cautionary uh, tale for, for startups about governance and investor relations importance, and especially in high-stakes environments like EdTech, where rapid growth often precedes stringent financial scrutiny. How Baiju's navigates through these challenges could significantly impact uh, its operational stability and industry position moving forward. Fascinating insights as always, Scott. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Jonathan. Always glad to delve into these complex stories with you. And that's just ahead for Sunday, February 25th, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening, Nikki. We hope you have a good day, and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod, entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to pocketpod.app.